Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to get you prepped for the week in Indianapolis. It is scouting combine time, one of my favorite times of the year. And today, we'll go under the hood on the offensive side of the ball and talk about the top players descending on Indianapolis this week for the combine. We'll get you caught up on the workout changes, schedule of events, and everything we're going to be bringing you this week from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy as we have our troops on the ground at this mecca of an NFL event. We have the schedule out for the offensive side of the football And as always, they start with the biggest stars of the game. The quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends are up first. They'll work out on Thursday, February 27th, and a later kickoff this year, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock local time in Indianapolis. Then Friday, we'll get the running backs and offensive line and specialists, place kickers and punters or people too, on February 28th. That too will be at 4 o'clock Eastern. And it's not just the time of these combine workouts that are changing. The drills themselves are will be changing as well, and quite a bit. A quote from Jeff Foster, the president of National Football Scouting, Inc., via an article on SI.com titled, Changes Are Coming to the Combine and the Bench Press May Be Killed Next, Foster's quote reads, quote, It's easier to name the things that haven't changed, end quote. Foster also gave a quote from an anonymous scout that reads, quote, The majority of the combine drills are antiquated and limited relevance. We want to evolve. Sure, there will be a gap of time without the ability to compare current to past, but we need to focus more on the future, end quote. And we'll cover the defensive changes on tomorrow's show, previewing the defensive side of the ball at the combine. And changes are coming to both sides of the ball. And we'll start here today talking about the changes on the offensive side as they are now going to time the gauntlet drill and if you haven't watched the combine before the gauntlet drill takes receivers and tight ends and runs them down a horizontal line from sideline to sideline and they alternate which direction they look at for the football coming their way they have to catch the football the idea is to try to be a hands catcher not let the football into your body and to stay straight on that horizontal line they are now going to time that drill whereas in the past it was all about just securing the catch and getting it done as fast as you could Also, they're going to be adding smoke route drills, and this is really a tip of the cap to the direction of the modern day game. We've seen how popular the screen route has become in modern day football, an extension of the running game, and a smoke route is just a one-step hitch route by the receiver, usually pushes upfield and comes back to the line of scrimmage, and it's usually an extension of the play-action game, utilizing misdirection away from the flow of the play-action, trying to keep the defense off balance and keep them honest to all possibilities on any given play. They're also going to add screen drills for the offensive linemen as they want to see how these big guys move out in space and their athletic ability and how control they can be coming into the bag and also they're going to remove the rabbit from the mirror drill and if I'm being honest I'm a tad bit bummed about this because I love those big boys trying to juke each other out you would have one offensive lineman shuffle side to side and across from him an opponent a fellow offensive lineman tries to get past him with juke moves and lateral movement but now they will no longer ask the fellow lineman to act as the rabbit in that drill 
They've added sled drills as well, a nice nod to the throwback style of the physical game of football. Players will push the sled two to five yards instead of going up against their counterparts who hold a bag. Basically, they're reducing the use of the players acting as glorified tackling dummies in these drills. So plenty of changes on the offensive side. Tomorrow, we'll come back and talk about the defensive side. But let's now go ahead and break in to the combine preview up on MiamiDolphins.com, taking a look at the top three players by position. And we're using the Draft Network's official ranking board here to get the top three players they have rated at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, outside offensive linemen, the tackles, and the interior guys, the guards, and the centers. So again, workouts begin on Thursday, and we'll start here with the quarterbacks, and we start with the Draft Network's number one quarterback, Joe Burrow from LSU, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship, potential number one overall pick in the draft this year. Everything he did came up aces, and he led one of college football's all-time most potent attacks. They played 15 opponents this year. He slayed them all, including seven ranked teams en route to a 76.3% completion percentage. He threw for 5,671 yards and 60 touchdowns. Absurd numbers for this year's Heisman Trophy winner. And they did it with pro passing concepts led by passing game coordinator Joe Brady, who now, of course, coaches in Carolina with Matt Rule on that staff. And Burrow dominated the college rankings with that pro-style attack. He was the point guard of the offense, distributing the football out in the quick game better than just about anybody. Deadly accurate throwing vertically, and he made a number of jaw-dropping plays as an athlete, both within and outside the pocket and with his legs on a weekly basis. I pulled this quote from an article on ES. ESPN.com from analyst Matt Bowen, quote, when I watch the LSU offense, it is a heavily schemed pro style route tree that resembles the New Orleans Saints in terms of how they put defensive coverages and defensive players in conflict. And what that requires is for an elite level quarterback to go through pro progressions to find the voids in zone coverage and to find the matchups that are created within this offense, end quote. And Joe Burrow himself mentioned his leverage a couple of weeks ago on a radio interview, and he, of course, will not compete in the on-field drills. He is going to make himself available for media and team interviews, but he will not be on the field in any capacity outside of his zip-up, warm-up, and being out there to cheer on the other guys around him. The number two quarterback on the Draft Network's quarterback rankings, Tua Tungavailoa, the Alabama former national champion and Heisman runner-up, and few collegiate quarterbacks carried the hype that followed Tua into the 2019 season. He had that championship under his belt, a game-winning pass in overtime. His first full season as a starter was transcendent. He played for three coordinators in as many years, and the precise southpaw, yes, he's a lefty, modified that antiquated Crimson Tide attack into an aerial display to levels we've never before seen in college football. And the accolades and praise just pile up from scouts, analysts, and former players. Trent Dilfer, via an article on The Athletic, lauded Tungavailoa's poise, work ethic, and talent from their time together at Nike's Elite 11 camp. Quote, he has poise like I've never seen, and that goes along with the talent that you rarely ever see. His throwing motion is so efficient. He maximizes everything he draws from the ground up. Zero wasted motion. Aaron Rodgers is the only one I've seen like this, and he grew into it. He wasn't like this at this stage. End quote. 
And of course, the concern with Tonga Vailoa, his junior season came to an abrupt end when a hip injury knocked the quarterback out of the Mississippi State game. And as a result, Tua also will not participate in the on-field drills at the scouting combine. He says that his goal is to win the medical and to win the interview process in Indianapolis this week. His college production certainly speaks for itself. 2018 consensus All-American had 87 career touchdowns, 11 picks, and 12.7 yards per pass and a completion percentage just a hair under 70% at 69.7%. The third quarterback on the Draft Network's rankings, Justin Herbert, the Oregon product, he had a decorated Oregon career that was punctuated with perhaps his two best showings in last year's Pac-12 championship game and the Rose Bowl games against Utah and Wisconsin, respectively. He's a Eugene native who dreamed of playing for his beloved Ducks, and he finally accomplished his ultimate goal of winning a Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and he did it in some unconventional fashion. Herbert is faster than he is quick, but he scampered for three touchdowns in that Rose Bowl game, tripling his season total coming into that game. He finished his college career with 95 touchdown passes, 23 picks, 10,541 yards, and he put some durability concerns to bed by starting all 27 of his possible 27 games to close out his junior and senior seasons. And this Oregon offense, it was a run-first attack this year under Mario Cristobal, and that didn't always accentuate the quarterback's best trait. He has an absolute howitzer of a right arm and shines with his back to the defense on play action and bootleg concepts. And speaking of Cristobal, he has effusive praise for his quarterback. Quote, he's definitely the best quarterback I've been around. He can do it all. He's loved by his teammates. Everyone just thinks the world of him. He's a grinder, end quote. And Herbert will be on the field for drills this week where he is a near lock to impress with the arm talent and throwing the football down the field. At six foot six, 240 pounds, the scouting combine is an event that's built for Justin Herbert. How about the guys alongside the quarterback that complement the passing game? I'm talking, of course, about the running backs. And the Draft Network's number one running back on this list is DeAndre Swift from Georgia. And he's actually mocked to the Dolphins by three NFL Network draft analysts. Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Lance Zerline all have Miami taking DeAndre Swift at some point in the first round. And he's going to provide an instant shot of offense for whichever his new club he goes to. It only took him 515 touches to explore explode for 3,551 yards from scrimmage. He put up big numbers without using up a lot of tread on those tires, and that was primarily as a slashing zone runner. But don't get it twisted. He can play in any scheme on offense. He's a dynamic pass-catching option in the pass game. His receiving prowess paired with his work in pass protection makes him a three-down player at the professional level. And that highly talented Bulldog offense flowed through its star tailback, according to head coach Kirby Smart, who said, quote, he's the heart and soul of this offense. He's a leader. He's inspirational. The runs get fans involved, but Swift gets the team involved with all the things he does and says, end quote. All eyes are going to be on Swift for his 40-yard dash time. A time in the 4-4 range is a safe bet, and breaking that 4-3 mark should solidify his first-round status as the number one running back off the board. J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State is the Draft Network's number two running back, and he burst onto the college football scene with a dynamic freshman campaign, starting with his debut performance for 181 yards on college football's opening night. After a sophomore slump, Dobbins returned to dominance, particularly in the Buckeyes' biggest games. He had 1,018 yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground this year in Ohio State's six contests against ranked opponents. Dobbins departs Columbus, Ohio, 
as the second all-time leading rusher in school history, edging out names like Ezekiel Elliott and Eddie George. Only Archie Griffin ran for more yards than the multifaceted Dobbins. NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah praised Dobbins for his work in the passing game from his top 50 big board. Quote, he had two drops against Clemson, but he was reliable every other game I studied. He is very aware in pass protection. He'll be a dependable starter immediately. End quote. And for the third running back on the Draft Network's big board at tailback, we stay in the Big Ten and go over to Wisconsin for Jonathan Taylor. And you're not going to find better production in college than the former Badger back, Jonathan Taylor, with 55 total touchdowns and 6,174 career rushing yards. The only question left for Taylor at this stage is his professional longevity. The focal point of the bruising Wisconsin ground game, Taylor has 968 touches on his resume before even getting to the pros. He rushed for better than 200 yards in 12 of 41 college games. Almost one third of his games went for over two bills on the ground. He's built like an NFL back, 5'11", 220 pounds with a compact, thick build. He's a supreme athlete, which is evident by his high school track career, where he won state titles in the 100 meters and 4x100 relays. His peak athletic prowess is topped only by his character, which also comes with proof. Taylor was considering attending Harvard, but ultimately, of course, wound up at Wisconsin. And we in the football world collectively, Jonathan Taylor, thank you, sir, for giving us the entertainment you have so far in your college career. Taylor's impact also reverberated throughout the Badger locker room. Quote, not only was he the best college running back in the history of the game, but he was also the greatest person that's played college football. End quote. And that one comes from his teammate running back Garrett Groshek, the Wisconsin Badger backup tailback. So high praise for Taylor's production, his smarts, and the character of that young man. We go over to the wide receivers now. Jerry Judy starts us off here from Alabama. His route running is the most impressive of the entire class, and that, of course, is the most crucial, critical trait for receivers going to the professional level. Nobody's crisper or more sudden than Alabama's Jerry Judy. He was uncoverable throughout his career in college. He has blazing speed and unparalleled change of direction skill set, and those two things together create separation better than anybody else in this 2020 draft class at wide receiver, and he makes big plays after the catch routinely. He's an All-American, and he posted video game numbers in his time at Tuscaloosa, a two-year total of 145 receptions, 2,478 yards, and 24 touchdowns the last two seasons. He was a Bolitnikoff winner in 2018 and a finalist this past year in 2019. C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, the Draft Network's number two receiver, and this year's class is loaded with run-after-the-catch specialists, but nobody tops C.D. Lamb in that category. He makes jaw-dropping highlight reel plays with consistent gaudy production. Lamb has a case to go off the board in the top 10, but he could see a bit of a draft day slide because of the depth of this receiver class. Lamb averaged 21.4 yards per catch this year, bringing his three-year Oklahoma total to an even 19 yards per reception. He scored 33 touchdowns and racked up 3,321 yards in his iconic Sooner career. 
it'll be interesting to see how fast he runs because a lot of folks think that a slow time could drop Lamb to the back end of the first round. If you want to talk about speed, this next guy is not lacking in that category whatsoever. And if John Ross's record of a 4.2240 yard dash is to be broken this weekend, Henry Ruggs, the Alabama product, is the one that will do it. In fact, he already owns a track record. He broke the high school 7A 100 meter dash record in Alabama with a blazing time of 10.58 seconds. That speed was on display every Saturday this fall down in Alabama. Ruggs often looks like his film is on. On fast forward and everybody else is in normal motion as they try to chase him down in a futile effort. Ruggs, the ultimate burner, used that track speed to carve up the SEC. He had 17.5 yards per catch in college with 25 touchdowns. He's more than a speed merchant. He's a crafty route runner. As sudden as he is fast, he is so difficult to disrupt off the line of scrimmage and into the route. Now, we move inside from wide receiver into tight end, and we start here with the Draft Network's number one rated tight end, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue, and he has a chance to separate from the tight end pack at the Combine because of his rare athletic traits. Something of a souped-up wide receiver, Hopkins challenges the seam vertically and has the route-running repertoire to run the full tree. Say that five times fast, route-running repertoire. His Purdue tape is full of highlight grabs and chunks of yardage coming after the catch at six foot four, 241 pounds. He's not the most imposing inline blocker. In fact, he won't play that position much at the next level, but it's not for a lack of trying because you watch him out in space, getting the job done with effort and positioning as a downfield blocker. Even with the occasional case of the dropsies, Hopkins recorded 130 grabs, 1,945 yards, and 16 touchdowns his four years in college at Purdue. Hunter Bryant at Washington's up next on the Draft Network's tight end big board rankings. Like Hopkins, Bryant is more receiver than additional inline blocker. He's explosive in the open field after the catch. He plays the ball in the air exceptionally well and has no issues competing at the top of the route, pulling down contested throws, makes him a big-time red zone threat. He can move across the formation from wide splits, condensed in the backfield, in the slot. Wherever you put him, he can catch the football. And despite his limited production, in college, he is the ultimate mismatch piece at the next level. He caught 85 passes for 1,394 yards and five touchdowns at UW. And a reason for the minimal production, he had a season-ending knee injury that cut his 2018 season short at just five games, but he came back last year with an 825-yard season for the Washington Huskies. Cole Komet at Notre Dame is our final tight end here. And playing at Notre Dame, he was asked to play in line more than his counterparts at Washington and Purdue, respectively. He's a smooth athlete with the most reliable hands across the entire tight end class. He went for 515, six touchdowns in the run first fighting Irish offense this year. And he uses his 6'4 frame to work down the middle of the football field between the numbers. He's a two sport athlete, and those guys tend to have more fluidity. And this former baseball star displays natural balance and feel for the position. He operates out of a three-point stance, the inline position with regularity, and he also shines as a red zone target. How about the guys on the offensive line? I know Dolphins fans are craving an offensive line, 
So we start here with Jedrick Wills, Alabama, the number one tackle on the board here for the Draft Network. And Wills sits at pole position because of two reasons. One, he's an absolute monster mauler who gets out in space and runs people over. But two, he is so adept and smooth with his ability to mirror and move in pass protection. He's a natural knee bender. He easily recognizes games in the imposing pass rush and is quick to wall off those stunts, those twists, or those delayed blitzers. He's a powerful striker that can end a rep early with a devastating shot across his man's bow. Willis is scheme diverse with the mean streak and intelligent to make multiple Pro Bowls at the next level. He capped a tremendous career with a big performance in this year's Citrus Bowl. In a position where other players might choose to skip the game, he said, quote, I'd still play just because I want to be out there for my brothers and play for the last time in an Alabama uniform, end quote. Up next, from Iowa, Tristan Wirfs, and there has been some speculation that maybe he moves inside to guard as a professional. He's six foot five, 332 pounds. He's built like a house. He has the length and thickness and anchor to play and succeed anywhere across the offensive line. He did spend time at both right and left tackle, but he finished up this last season mostly on the right side. Now, speed rushers can get him with their explosive get-offs. Think about Cam Wake in his prime, giving Wirfs some fits, hence the mention of moving to guard and his kick slide and recovery speed might be a bit slow but he does have hammers for hands and once worse snatches the defender it's game over man as he turns and drives players out of the respective gaps it's fun to watch his college coach Kirk Ferentz thinks that guard might be the best option quote you play a guy like that inside he's basically going to kill guys he's a dominant player that way end quote and speaking of killing guys go check out Makai Becton's tape from Louisville the number three tackle on the board here for the draft network. He is a massive 377 pounds, six foot seven. And this quote from Daniel Jeremiah, who has him at the number four pick to the New York Giants in his initial mock draft, cites that size, quote, he's a mauler in the run game and he's shockingly nimble in pass protection, end quote. He ragdolls guys out there. I made a reference in the article on MiamiDolphins.com to the Sandrick Bullock movie, The Blind Side, with Michael Orr when they had those clips of him in the movie throwing kids over a fence, just unrealistic type of stuff. Well, you see that in real life with Makai Becton. It's a lot of fun to watch for an offensive lineman's tape. And this year was his first as a full-time left tackle. He would previously alternate between left and right tackle based upon strong and weak side alignments. There's a good chance that Becton can solidify his stock as a top five pick this week because he is so smooth and so nimble and so strong that he should test very well. Lastly, we kick inside to the interior offensive line and we start with the number one player here, LSU's Lloyd Cushenberry. He anchored one of college football's best O-lines en route to the perfect season. He's a two-year starter. His athletic profile paired with his instincts for the position could result in his name being called on night one. There is little wasted movement in his game. He almost always takes the correct angle and opens up big lanes in the running game as well. He's not the most powerful center in this class, but he does find a way to drop that anchor, drop that lower half, and hold up against bull rushes. That bend, coupled with flawless footwork, allows Cushenberry to recover on the rare occasion where he does lose the rep initially. He was awarded LSU's number 18 jersey this year. They give one of those to a player on offense and one to a player on defense, and they give it to the player that best exemplifies a selfless attitude. Wearing number 18, a tradition that began in 2003, is synonymous with success at LSU, both on and off the field. So in addition to a good player, you're getting a good character as well. 
Cesar Ruiz at Michigan, the center, is up next. And buzzwords and phrases will be spoken of plenty this week in Indianapolis. None more prevalent than a player's ability to unlock his hips. However that skill set is framed, few players embody fluid hips better than Cesar Ruiz of Michigan. A controlled stick of dynamite when operating in open space. Ruiz's ability to pull in the running game rivals any interior lineman in this class for my money. Ruiz started three years along Big Blue's offensive line. He has a thick compact build that allows him to anchor against power. He started at right guard in 2017 and moved back to his natural position where he actually was the number one player rated in high school at center in 2017. But he talked about moving back to center, quote, playing center is something I've been doing my whole life. In high school, I'm used to making all the calls. I'm used to doing everything, end quote. And finishing up our offensive side here, Nick Harris from Washington. The senior bowl was a rough week for him. It was an opportunity to possibly solidify his position as the top center in the class. He has rare movement traits and an innate ability to operate out in space in wide zone concepts as well as in the screen game. And he had a chance to stand out, but he struggled. And now it looks like maybe he could be a day two selection, but still... Harris excels in one area that has long been a problem for Miami, the reach block. He has the lateral movement and initial hand placement to engage and control the rep despite limited length. And Harris's teammates credit his persistence, toughness, and competitiveness. He played as a true freshman at age 17 against Alabama in that playoff game just a couple of years ago. So he is battle-tested. So there you have it. That is our offensive preview of the Scouting Combine Edition 2020 coming to you live this week from Indianapolis. We'll be on the ground there. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins' official account at Miami Dolphins. And of course, check out our written content up on MiamiDolphins.com, including this piece and tomorrow's defensive preview piece. And don't forget to go back and check out the introduction podcast, episode number one of the Drive Time Podcast. As for my time today, that's going to be it. Travis Wingfield, Drive Time Podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow. Fins up. Tomorrow. Fins up. Tomorrow. Fins up.